How much does our personality impact how we show up on the mat? Is it helping or hurting us? And how can we use our personality to our advantage? Welcome to Beauty and the Gee, the podcast about jujitsu and so much more. I'm Jen Eads, a white belt full of curiosity and questions about all the things jujitsu. And I'm AJ Klingerman, a Brazilian jujitsu brown belt obsessed with jujitsu. And if you're new to the podcast, make sure that you check out the previous episode to hear the beginning of the personality discussion. And if this is your first time here, we recommend that you go into our back catalog and listen to episode number seven on the downward spiral, <laughs> episode 47, Don't Let Comparison Steal Your Jiu-Jitsu Joy, and episode 72, When It Feels Like Your Jiu-Jitsu Isn't Getting Any Better. This episode is a continuation of our exploration into how our personalities influence how we show up on the mat. The Enneagram post is probably one of the highest engagement posts that we've seen for a question and something that we were going to talk about on the podcast, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I'd say so. And we are not experts, but we are super curious about this subject. So we have an expert with us, Rachel Pritz. She's an Enneagram expert, and she's here to answer more of our questions. And Rachel is a former nurse and healthcare executive that is now a certified life coach and Enneagram coach. Rachel, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. This expert word, you used it one too many times. And I thought, <laughs> that feels like a, a lot every, of every time I think I'm an expert on the Enneagram, I learn something new and it's like mind blowing, you know? So, so yeah, but I appreciate you having me. Excited. We have faith in you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. And we don't know better. So right. you can whatever you want to be like, like yeah, expert, that's true. So, we're good. <laughs> so you listened to the last episode that I we did. did. Any thoughts? Well, I wanted to jump in about 45 times. So as you were talking, there was a lot of conversation around um, mistyping. And so yeah. it's a common thing with the Enneagram that for people to be mistyped. Um, it's measuring your internal world. And we don't always know our internal world. So when we answer a test, sometimes it comes back with results that are a little bit iffy. Um, there are types that look a lot like each other. And you add in those wings. You add in something called the instincts, which I wanted to bring up briefly here because that was not something you touched on but I think that's really important to add in um, but you add in all those different things and and there are types that can look very similar to one another um, and that's why I do what I do so I help clients <laughs> you know figure that out and kind of piece that that um, apart so yeah I think uh, the conversation is completely relevant for anything including jujitsu and so I've done some work with some teams um, basketball teams I know there's some people that use the Enneagram in um, the NBA which is really fascinating yeah lots of threes and eights and ones that show up in the <laughs> NBA and how does that translate to the way they play um, how they um, show up as a a team. And so um, I think there's a ton of relevance with the Enneagram and sports and really anything we do, to be honest. So with the mistypes, it's not just other people like thinking you're a number you're not, but like you thinking you're a number you're not. Correct. Correct. Yeah. I mean, so I'm a nine, so I'm confused most of the time. And so um, I thought <laughs> I was all the so types for so long. It took me almost a year to discover that I was a nine. I tested as a three. 
And so um, I really, you know, there were some things that resonated for me with the three, but then there were some things where I'm like, workaholic. I mean, like I spit out my coffee laughing when I saw workaholic (laughs) as a three. And so I started exploring all the types. So I really do recommend that if people are really interested, just explore all the types. So The Road Back to You is a great book by Ian Cron. And so he just briefly describes each one of the types. That was one of the ways I discovered I was a nine. And then I listened to a lot of podcasts. And so I heard a nine on a podcast and I literally had to pull my car over because I knew I was a nine. I'm like, oh my gosh, she is describing my internal world perfectly. And I had no idea how to describe that. So that's how I discovered I was a nine. Um, and yes, I always tell people, nobody else can tell you your type because it right. is the measurement of your internal world. So I know you mentioned, I think it was a former boss that yeah. was saying, no, 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 you're a seven. Yeah. Not that we don't want to take that information because sometimes we do have blind spots for ourselves. Um, I remember reading through you know, the nine and I'm like, I don't think I do that. And my husband's like, what are you talking about? You do that, like that is your like common theme. You don't even know you're doing it. So, so I think it's helpful to get that information, but then to always go back internally to yourself to say, what is really true for me here. Right. Oh, and before we get too far into this, one of the things that came up in the Facebook group was, um, so there's a, so there's this documentary, Persona, and it talks a lot about like the dark side, the evil ways that these personality tests can be used. And I'm always like, I don't know if it's because I'm a nine. I'm like, why would anybody use anything for evil? But apparently... It's a thing. What? Because you watched it, and I was curious what your thoughts were on that. Because I know we're approaching it just strictly from a self-development. How can we understand ourselves better and, and do better? Sure. Yeah, when I work with teams and organizations with the Enneagram specifically, or I've used DISC and some, you know, some other tools as well, but with the Enneagram, um, that is actually one of my ethics rules is to not use it as a weapon. Um, it has happened. Absolutely. So there are organizations, there are individuals that have used it as a weapon. I think that's, that's few and far between. I think that most people have really good intentions with these tools, but they do have to make sure that they really understand them and they aren't using them as weapons or making assumptions about people because we're dynamic human beings. Mm -hmm. You can't read a brief description about some, a a type and apply that to a human being because we're very dynamic. We all have nuance. We've all had our own experiences that we bring. So I, the documentary had a point. I think it was an extreme view to be honest. I think there's more good happening with some of these tools than there is bad. And my, other thought when I was looking at this, I'm like, oh my gosh, if you work for an organization that weaponizes this and does that to you, you are not psychologically safe in that organization and it is time to, to leave. Like mm-hmm. I would leave yesterday. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, measuring that, I think that's a great, uh, you know, people are really showing their true colors if they're going to weaponize this information they have about you um, to your detriment. So I would say it's a great opportunity to to walk out the door and find some, a place that you are psychologically safe. So um, she had also mentioned about kind of feeling like the Enneagram was a lot like like your astrological signs or something like that. Um, kind of the like woo-woo factor of it and that you could read all of them and be like, okay, that's me, that's me, that's me. Um, what, what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, so I thought the same thing. So when I first looked at it and saw the drawing, I'm like, what is this, a horoscope? You know, what's going on here? <laughs> so I was a skeptic for sure. And so as I started digging in a little bit deeper, um, there are certainly some connections. Yes, you can read each one of the types and say, there's a little little bit of me in each one. That's actually how it's designed. So it's designed as a circle because we really want you to not look like 
that one type. We want you want you to really integrate around the different types and pick up some of those maybe behaviors and things that those other types have that could serve you. And so we really want you to look like all the types. It's intentional to to make it that way. So of course, yes, we can look at all of them and say, there's a little bit of this that makes sense for me. Um, I always tell people, if about 80% of it makes sense to you, that's probably your type. You'll probably have, you know, maybe 10, 15% of the others that, that really make sense for you. Um, the other thing to note with that is there's um, a couple of different theories around the the different centers of intelligence. So you have a body center of intelligence. Eights, nines, and ones live in that space. Twos, threes, and fours live in a feeling center of intelligence. And then the five, six, and seven live in a thinking center of intelligence. And people say that you have an entry point into each one of those. So you have three types that you that really resonate for you. So I know, Jen, you were saying nine and seven Makes some mm-hmm. sense for me. Nine and seven make a lot of sense for me too. And so I really relate to a seven. And so my entry point in that thinking center is seven. My entry point in the feeling center is three, but then my dominant type in the body center is nine. So thinking of it that way, I think can help too, um, because we have an entry point into each one of those types. So those there's going to be a type in each one of those centers of intelligence that probably resonates with you more. I'm curious, you brought up instincts. How's like, what's that? How's yeah. that work? So this will blow your mind, right? So like I thought I got this handle on these nine types and the wings and these integration lines and all these things. And then I start reading about the subtypes. So there are technically 27 types within the Enneagram because there are three subtypes for each one of the types. And they're all the same name, but they look different with nuance in the type. And so <laughs> so, so it's an animal instinct, essentially, which I think is really relevant for what we're talking about here. So yeah. these three animal instincts, you have self-preservation, which is my dominant. I'm like, I did not, like running out of toilet paper in the pandemic was not even a thought for me. Like, why would you not have 30 rolls on hand? I don't understand. <laughs> <At all times. laughs> so self-preservation is one. Social, which is much more um, focusing on the team and kind of the us and very good observers. Um, they find the allies in the herd that they can pull in. Um, and then you have the one-to-one or sometimes called the sexual subtype. Those are people that just like, like they're like magnets. Like people are just drawn to them. They tend to be risk takers. So they will be kind of bold and, and risk taking. That's my least dominant instinct. And so we have all three of these, but we can tend to overuse kind of have one that's neutral and underuse one that's kind of causing us some problems. So um, it's just an interesting thought to think about those three different animal instincts that we all have. And then how does our type influence that? Because it does. So there's a lot of nines that tend to be self-preservation. I can see that because I'm just like, I don't want to die when we're rolling. That's pretty much my... I think that's probably my least one. I think self-preservation is probably my lowest one. Social is probably my highest. I could see that. That makes sense for a seven too. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Yeah, because I, I am not bold. Even with getting grips and stuff, I don't feel bold with that. I've always, I almost feel more comfortable just trying to protect myself. Like I could stay in turtle all day and be probably pretty happy. Just even like you talking about, you know, like the team aspect and everything and like for the greater, for everyone else and like grabbing allies. And I feel like that's definitely me. 
Yeah. 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 It's an interesting thing to talk to individuals that don't know anything about Enneagram and just I describe those three ways and they can usually identify, oh, that's that's me for sure. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we show up very differently. If I meet a, a sexual or one to one nine, they look very different than I do. And so sometimes that can be a little confusing, too, when we think about mistyping and you're talking to another seven who's a self-preservation seven. They're going to look very different. So yeah. it just gives you a lot more nuance. But it's pretty mind blowing. I wouldn't I wouldn't go down that rabbit hole <laughs> if you're starting out with the Enneagram. I'd start with the nine types and just kind of, you know, ease your way into this whole thing. It took me about four years to get to the instincts and I still don't have a full um, understanding of all of them. Do you feel like there's a test that you tend to recommend for people to... Yeah, so I typically use the READY test, which is through the Enneagram Institute. It's one of the few that has actually been validated. Um, so the the uh, the test has actually been scientifically validated. It's still only about, they say, 80% accurate. Um, I would say in my experience, because I've used it with hundreds of clients, I would say it's le- it's lower than that. So, yeah. And I think a lot of it just matters. Um, you know, it's, it de- it's dependent on your own self-awareness, right? So it's dependent on how awake you are to yourself. When I answered the test four years ago and thought I was a three, it's because I was completely asleep to myself, which nines do really well. We right. love to fall asleep to ourselves. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it all depends on your your level of self-awareness that you're bringing into it. But that is a test I recommend. There's other good tests out there as well. Um, there's also some crappy tests. So that's why I usually suggest just to explore the types and um, see which one resonates for you most. And to always go back to that motivation. So the motivation, the core fear, the core desire, those are kind of the three heavy hitters. So when clients are struggling, figuring out their type, we'll go back to that and I'll say, okay, how strong does that feel to you? If it feels really strong, then we're, we're likely on the right path. Where have you found knowing the Enneagram can be most beneficial for athletes and competitors? Yeah, so I think that team aspect. So, I mean, there are some types that are definitely more focused on self, for sure. And so it depends on what sports you're playing. But that Uh team aspect, I think, is really important. I think the social awareness, so being aware of the people around you, is really important. And so when you can understand that other people view the world differently than you do and they show up very differently than you do, first of all, it creates some respect for them and some understanding. And then just having that social awareness of, oh, my gosh, I may not be in tune with my emotions, but this person is. And so learning to be able to read those emotions. Um, for me personally, I woke up to the fact that I was not in tune with my emotions and started really putting in some energy to understanding those. And now I'm an empath. I can read other people's emotions pretty easily because I actually understand my own. And so I think that's really important too in sports when emotions are taking over or when it's just sheer like it's anger or aggression, you know, I mean, that can happen too. So my eight comes out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can flip a switch and my eight wing can really like people have no idea where this easygoing person went. (laughs) And so I have a pretty strong eight wing. And I know that was a question on the last episode. Um, Many people do believe I myself believe that those wings do have different levels. So I used to use my one wing much more often than I used my eight wing. And when I got into executive leadership, I realized I was going to have to maybe turn it up a notch if I wanted to have a seat at the table mm-hmm. and speak for my team, right? So like I couldn't just sit back and not speak up when I knew something was was wrong. So I, I definitely turned on that aggressive assertiveness. And so I would say I use my eight wing much more than I use my one wing. How did you start to get more in touch, like aware of yourself? 
Oh, well, sheesh. <laughs> this has been a journey. So, um, I mean, I think it's small little quarter inch turns. You mm-hmm. know, I don't think this stuff happens overnight. You can't take a Enneagram test and think, oh, suddenly I'm self-aware now. Yay. <laughs> I think it's daily practice. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, what? I, wouldn't that be so great? Gosh, I would love that. So it put My me out of a job. Would I would be happy. good. Like, <laughs> I, I'd be good with being out of a job. That'd be fine. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's just like, like I said, like little turtle steps every single day, intentional pauses to say, oh, why did I react that way? What was the trigger there? Oh, the Enneagram helped me because I would go back and say, oh, that was me trying to keep my peace. Even when I was being aggressive to someone, the reason why I was being aggressive was because there was something about that situation that was going to make me uncomfortable or it was going to disrupt my peace or harmony. So that was the thing that I always go back to. And it's like, oh, and then I looked back at the sports I played. So you can't see me, but I'm five foot ten. I played a lot of sports, um, played volleyball, softball, and basketball. I was hands down the best at basketball, and I freaking hated it. Really? Because I had to push up against people, and I didn't. <laughs> I didn't want to be aggressive. And I, my coach asked me to fall out of a game, and I couldn't do it. He, <laughs> I was in eighth grade, and he said, "I want you to fall out of the game, Rachel. You can do it." And I'm like. I couldn't do it. I couldn't. I didn't want to push up against people. So I chose to be on the other side of the net in volleyball and to stay in my little safe place in, in softball. So like, I didn't have to <laughs> I didn't have to push up against people because I didn't want to be aggressive. Like that was my purest form of myself was a peacemaker. I didn't want to do that. And so I, I say that, but I also think it's quite healthy for me to turn that side of me on. And so I think sometimes the the types can put us in these boxes and that's not really the intention. The intention is to say, oh, that box is not really serving me in some scenarios. I need to actually turn on that aggressive behavior when it's when it makes sense and it and it would serve me. Um, so earlier you were talking about like not making assumptions about how people are going to act because they're a certain type or whatever. How as a coach can I not make assumptions but still use the types to help me with all of my students? Yeah, I mean, I think using the information to be an observer is really helpful. So um, you don't have to take any action necessarily if you're seeing something. Oh, gosh, that's not, that feels in line with this number specifically. It's more just being that observer. Um, I use the Enneagram in the around an executive table all the time, and the people around the room have no idea I'm using it, and I have no idea what their types are. So I'm kind of just watching the behavior and really truly observing with that knowledge in my back pocket of the Enneagram and how humans kind of do fit in these nine types, but not completely, you know. And so and then I ask people's experiences. So people surprise me all the time. You know, I make an assumption based on the type that I know they are and I'll ask them a question and they're like, no, it's not my experience at all. So I think we really have to not make assumptions, observe and then ask, observe and then clarify, you know, like make sure that you're on the right path there. Um, but I think it can be helpful just to, like I said, for that that observation piece and then to ask the questions, you know, of, of the person that's actually experiencing that. So in reference to your coach, you know, telling you to foul out of the basketball game, but that not being like your core, <laughs> um, how could your coach have done better to like understand you and how you play? That's a great question. So I think with the Enneagram, had he known my core type, he wouldn't have put me on the spot like that. So it would have been something that he kind of uh, talked to me about after the game or maybe before the game or worked on in practice with me. 
nines can be pretty stubborn, especially when we have an eight wing. So um, if you push me towards something, I'm going to run the other way all day long. So I have a mug actually that says I'm a nine with an eight wing. Don't push me. So and even sometimes it's me, right? Sometimes I'm stubborn for for myself. Like I'll put things on my calendar and then I'll look and I'm like, Psh, you can't tell me what to do. <laughs> How dare you? And then I won't do it. And it's like, really, I'm pushing up against myself, you know? So we really do not like, I mean, I don't think most humans love being told what to do, but we really do not like being told what to do. And so I think had he understood that and he would have maybe asked me some more questions about things, like I said, I've done the observation. Maybe if he started me with, I want you to just follow one person. You know, commit one foul during this game. Done. Um, maybe I could have started there. But to me, going from somebody who wants peace and doesn't like that aggressiveness all the way to the extreme of fouling out of a game, that felt really extreme to me. So back to like those quarter inch turns. Yeah. I just needed a little quarter inch turn. Um, I didn't need to go to the other end of the spectrum. I just need you to pound it into my head, whatever you need me to do, because I am stubborn. So <laughs> You can't see me, but when she said nines are stubborn, I gave Jenna solid <laughs> What? <laughs> and ours likes to come out as passive aggressiveness. It's super fun. So like we won't show our anger, and eight will just outwardly show their anger often. Nines tend to kind of fall asleep to their anger, and then we'll just use it, like we'll be passive aggressive, because we want to be nice about it. And so we're going to be right. passive aggressive. And I think that's worse than just showing our anger but we do it so yeah <laughs> yeah I've got to work on that maybe a little <laughs> bit <laughs> so we're very physical in this sport so can you talk more about the body types and how those work yeah so the body types are the eights nines and ones and so we have a each each type has a unique relationship to our bodies nines will tend to fall asleep more to their bodies until they kind of wake up but they really tend to know what's going on in their bodies like we're pretty aware of what our body's telling us those types of things eights are do you mean like as far as like injury or just feeling all things of it yeah or and emotions all well so not always emotions but okay. we, the the positive ones for sure because we're in this okay. what we call positive outlook group but the negative ones will run from all day long because they you know disrupt our peace so <laughs> um but yeah I mean we're we're pretty in tune with what our body is is telling us for the most part. So we know when we're not feeling well, you know, all of those things, yeah. uh, more so than some of the other types. Eights and ones um, tend to be more like physically action oriented. Um, nines certainly can be very busy bodies too. So I know the the deadly sin is sloth for nines, yes. but I am a busy body. And so that didn't resonate for me when I first was looking at the nine. And so what I discovered is I am emotionally slothy. I'm not physically slothy. I'm very busy. I'm often not getting the right things done, but I'm very, very, very busy. So spinning around in circles. So, um, so yeah, I think keeping that in mind. Um, but like I said, the eights, like they will like take action right away. Like that is their go-to. So they take action to fix things right away. And it's often physically. Um, ones are kind of the same way. So um doesn't mean that the other types don't have that body center of intelligence. It's just that we kind of, once again, like have a stack of these. Like we're we're using our body center of intelligence. Maybe we're not using our feeling center of intelligence and we're using our thinking center of intelligence. So um, that's for you to really measure if where you think you land on each one of those. Most people, I think of those as three muscles. Most people have one that's really strong. They have one that's kind of neutral once again, and they have one that really needs some work. And so as I was on my personal growth journey, the emotional part of it was the one that I realized I really needed to work on. I have no comment on that. <laughs> I feel like I'm I feel like I'm jumping all over the place. But no, this is, is great. Okay. This is great. So you kind of 
uh, dived into the body types a little more. Can you dive into the other two yeah. a little more? Yeah. So, well, and the body types tend to, um, anger tends to be their, their emotional struggle. So, you know, like I said, the nines are, you know, more passive aggressive. The ones will turn it into resentment. So they'll kind of resent what's going on. Um, and that's kind of their version of anger. Eights just show it like the anger is just out there. Um, the seven, sixes and sixes and fives are in that thinking center. Fear or anxiety tends to be their primary, um, emotion, not that they don't experience anger or all the emotions, but it kind of right. seems to be a, a common theme for them. Sixes um, tend to be the the worriers of the Enneagram. And so they can see worst case scenario. They're great to have on teams. I love having sixes on teams because they'll tell you what's going to go wrong. And they're usually right. So <laughs> like with the pandemic, all the sixes I knew, I was like, how are you doing? Like, is this really stressing you out? And they're like, no, we've been saying this is going to happen for ever. If we knew this was going to happen. We already have a plan. Like we've got, we've got the plan in place. So, um, so they tend to like have the more like anxious types of traditionally anxious behaviors. Sevens, um, will escape. And so their, um, way to deal with fear and anxiety is to just like, look for the next thing. Like they're the Peter Pans of the Enneagram, you know, they're out like <laughs> looking for the next thing they're dreaming. Um, they're kind of sometimes detached to, from reality because they're kind of up in the clouds with, with all these big, ideas similar to Peter Pan. Um, and then fives are the um, observers of the Enneagram. And so they often are the most introverted, tend to not really look at things with feelings, but more in a, an objective way. And so when they, when we think about the thinking center or fear or anxiety, they have a fear or anxiety around not being competent. And so they will get all the information. They will not speak up until they know it all. Um, they often could speak up sooner because they probably know more than most people in the room, um, but they feel very uncomfortable in a space where they would feel un incompetent. Um, I don't know if you have any fives in the group or not, but that would that be was interesting. The one, I think I remember that was that five was the one that we were like, I don't think anyone um, there was maybe spoke one. up that they were a five. Yeah, yeah, yeah maybe one, but yeah. in general. It'd be interesting how that comes out even in jujitsu, yeah. you know? Like if they don't feel like they're competent with a skill, are they going to wait until they can master it before they're going to show up and try it? Or yeah, yeah what, what that would look like. So yeah, I'd be curious if you have a five in the group or fives in the group if they yeah. if that resonates for them. Be interesting. So. Okay. And then the two, three, and four. Yep. The twos, threes, and fours live in the feeling center of intelligence. And so twos tend to really be pretty natural empaths. So they can kind of read the room. They can read the emotions in the room. They somewhat know their own emotions, but they tend to just like to think about the happy ones. <laughs> so so they're mostly focused in on, you know, more of those positive emotions. And then threes um, know they have emotions, but they'll just bypass them because they get in the way of goals. So <laughs> they don't really address their feelings. You know, they know they're there. So they're, they're in tune to it. They just bypass them because they get in the way. Um, and then fours are fantastic therapists, um, artists. We would have crappy music without fours, um, but they can really sit in the darker emotions. So they can sit in sadness and melancholy all day long and they're fine, you know, and, and we're all out there like, come on, come on, come out. Like, you know, what are you doing sitting all day sad? Um, and they're completely comfortable with it. So they, they make great, um, great therapist friends when they're healthy um, to be able to lean on. That's why I have such a hard time writing sad songs as yeah. a musician. That makes total sense because you yeah. are in the positive outlook group. So yeah. to go to something completely different, I know I'm throwing around a lot of terms, but the positive <laughs> outlook group are the nines, sevens, and twos. And so we wear rose colored glasses yeah. 
in the yeah. world. And so everything <laughs> everything is awesome. You know, that's kind of the thing. Gets you in trouble sometimes. It absolutely <laughs> gets you in trouble. And it can be wildly annoying to other people that don't see things that way. So if two of four, for example, super an- igno- annoying, you know, where it's yeah. like, no, everything's going to be great. It's all going to work out. You You just wait, you know, and that's not what people want to hear all the time. And so we live in the, in that space, which can yeah be a tough, tough person to interact with when you're not in that space. So, Oh yeah. I always said things like I'm a turn the other cheek kind of girl. And then eventually I realized I'm like bruised and battered <laughs> like, uh-huh. <laughs> or I, uh, call my stepmom and myself, which she's a nine for sure. Um, the cover up queen, like we just, everything's fine. It's good. We're good. Everything's yeah, yeah. Good. I would love to know what Rachel is. Yeah. We talk a lot about our friend Rachel Casillas, and I'd love to know what she is. My guess would be a three or an eight. Those are my guesses. <laughs> yeah. So you can't help but guess, right? I mean, like, yeah. I know you shouldn't, but you can't help but sure. <laughs> well, and I, like, I can usually put people in, in three categories. So three, sevens, and eights are more the aggressive, assertive types. They have no problem asking for what they want. Yeah. You know, they don't even get why people wouldn't do that. You know? Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm sitting over here as a nine. I'm like, eh. Um, so the, the fours, fives, and nines are in the withdrawing stance. So when things get tough, we're kind of like, we're out of, we're out of here. We're just going to remove ourselves from the situation so we don't have to deal with what's going on. And then ones, twos, and sixes are in the compliant stance. So they tend to kind of look more to the external world for answers, safety, security, um, if they're doing the right thing, you know, all those things. So, and, and the fours, fives, and nines look more internal. And then the three, sevens, and eights just kind of move against. So, <laughs> and it's not all bad. You know, I, I say aggressive, but I think assertive is the better yeah. way to use it. I think, you can, I think you can be both of those things. I think assertive is uh, different than aggressive for sure. So, yeah. yeah. So just to kind of wrap all of this up, if we end each episode with an on the mat and an off the mat practice, what would you recommend for us as something to be mindful of or aware of when we're on the mat? Yeah, I mean, I think that probably doing that pause after you get off the mat or even while you're on the mat, you know, really Mm -hmm. observing yourself and just taking in the information. Like this is just information. Okay. So when you start to see a common theme every time you're on the mat, or maybe if you're with a certain person on the mat, why, you know, so taking some time afterwards to maybe just reflect a little bit on that physically writing it down can be really helpful because, you know, we live in a cultural ADHD world and we forget these things and, and we kind of just move on. So taking that intentional pause after you walk off the mat, five minutes, you know, to jot down a few things that you observed about yourself and then connect those themes, I think could be really helpful. More to put in our journals. (laughs) (laughs) And then what about as we're just moving out and about in the world? Yeah, I mean, I think that was the most powerful thing for me with the Enneagram. Of course, the self-awareness was great. I needed that for sure. I needed to be woken up to myself. Um, But I think just, I don't, you know, just watching other people and having respect for the way they show up and understanding for that, it created so much more compassion and grace for the people around me. So I think there is just a lot of opportunity there, especially in the world we live in today for more compassion and grace for the fact that people show up differently than we do and they can help us because they likely have a good counterbalance to the way that we show up, you know? So really just, I think collectively using our unique gifts and talents and what we bring to the table um, as a whole, I think as society is, is a huge win. 
Thank you so much for joining us yeah, today. It was great. Sure. I know I threw around a lot of terms and things. Um, but yeah, if if that confused the heck out of you, just go back to the nine types and start there. You'll eventually get there if you keep on this track. It's taken me four years. So. Feels like this is an episode that I'm going to listen to again and again. Just, uh-huh. just like start, you know, understanding it all better. Right. I remember when I first heard instincts and centers of intelligence. I didn't even talk about the levels of development. That's another <laughs> piece. And it's like, and I'm like, what are these people talking about? So I had to really just pull one that I was interested in and then dig in deep to that. Um, and and then once I felt like I mastered that, I moved on to the next thing because it was just mind blowing. And if anybody has questions or wants to connect with you and follow you on social media, what's the best place to find you? Probably for the Enneagram, it's uh, Instagram. So at Indie Enneagram, um, I do have a couple of resources out there for mistyping. So I have some common mistypes that nice. exist that might be helpful if you're struggling between a couple of different types. Um, and there's some other resources too, like just the basic description of each nine of the types, if you're curious about that. So yeah, you can connect with me on, on Instagram. All right. I will have links to that in the show notes and you can find us hanging out on Instagram at beauty and the Gee podcast. I'm always there at brassy broad Jen. And I'm AJ Klingerman everywhere you go. And you can find us on Facebook at beauty and the Gee and join the Facebook group beauty and the Gee gang. Thanks for listening. And we will see you on the mat. mat.